I should probably turn that off. What's that? I didn't, did you? Oh, seriously? <laughs> I, I missed it. Both times, actually. All right. Yes. So, yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Well, Life Point, I would ask right now that you would open your Bibles or turn on your phone in the YouVersion to Bible app and go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. But before you do that, I'm just going to ask that you pray with me right now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, I am asking God right now that you speak to every single one of our hearts. Open us up, God, to everything that you want us to know, to learn, to hear, to experience right now. So God, speak to us. Transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last couple weeks, last few weeks in our country have been awful. They've been tragic. They've been horrifying. But you know something interesting? God, I believe, is up to something. I believe that God, in the midst of all this, is up to something special. There seems to be this growing cultural awareness of this ongoing problem of racism that exists in our country. And I think that God is stirring more and more and more people to speak up and to speak out. Whether it's politicians, news anchors, sports people, Christian pastors, and Christians. More and more people are speaking up. Well, what I want to do today is I want to talk about our responsibility, LifePoint's responsibility and what steps Jesus has for us as Jesus followers to take in this area of racism. And so today is just meant to be, is meant to open the door to talk about some first steps. They're small steps, but they're steps nonetheless. Now here's what I know. I know that I'm gonna probably say a whole bunch of things wrong. I'm not gonna get this right. I know that there's going to be times I, I might say too much, or I, I know there's going to definitely be I'm not going to say enough. The reality is this is a message that should be, you know, three to five hours long that I somehow got to condense into 30 minutes. I, I also know this. I also know that I don't want life point us to, or me to unintentionally be part of a problem rather than be part of a solution. And because of all of this, Frankly, there's been quite a few times over the last week or so that I've, I've said, no, God, forget this. I'm not going to do this. Uh, uh, it's too much. I just, I, I'm just going to move on. But the Holy Spirit's been clearly speaking to me and saying, it's time to speak up. It's time to say something. It's time to enter into a conversation, into a dialogue with the LifePoint family. I also know that there's going to be a, 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 some of us who are going to have a tendency to want to take every word I say and, and cling to them and pick them apart. Now, I've got to tell you, I don't think that's what God has for you today. In fact, if you find yourself heading down that path, I think you're really going to miss out on what it is that God wants to share and what it is that God wants to communicate with you. So I encourage you, don't go there today. Here's what I hope, here's my hope, here's my prayer, that every single one of us today would be AWR. AWR, now what's AWR? Years ago I did a, I did a message, I did a series 
uh, uh, called AWR. And this was something that really uh, was part of my, almost like the rally cry for our church in those early years. AWR, what was that? It was attentive, willing, and responsive. Well, what does that mean? It means I'm going to be attentive to the voice of God in my life. I'm gonna be attentive to how God is speaking to me, whether it's through people, whether it's through our spouse, whether through life circumstances, whatever the case may be, whether it's God speaking directly through his word. I'm gonna be attentive to the voice of God in my life. And then secondly, I'm gonna be willing to offer up God a, a, willing, a willing yes a willing yes as opposed to a stubborn no. No, God, this is how I am. I'm, in, I'm stuck in my ways. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to have a stubborn no. I'm going to offer a willing yes to God. And then out of that willingness, I would then respond with appropriate action as God leaves me. So my hope and my prayer is that every single one of us today would be AWR, attentive to the voice of God, willing to say to, as God speaks to us, willing to offer God a loving yes, as opposed to a stubborn no, and that we would then respond with appropriate action and behavior as God leads us. So with that in mind, what I wanna do today is I wanna frame our conversation in the context of our last two weeks' messages. See, remember we talked about being called out by God, that the church, the ecclesia is called out by God on purpose and for a purpose to make disciples. And in that being called out, in that calling, God has a purpose for our lives that is customized for each one of us, that we, we would use what God has given us and we would serve his purposes in a very customized way according to how he has created us according to what God's mission and his purpose is for our lives and for the world. So the question is, what is God's mission? What is God's purpose? What is his cause that he calls every single one of us to within the context of the customized purpose he has for us? Well, that's what I want to look at, Luke chapter 4. So turn to Luke chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 16. And it tells us this. It says that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So imagine this is Jesus going back to his hometown. He's been away. He's now this rabbi. He comes in. It's been his custom to go to the synagogue. And he goes in and he stands up and people are ready to listen to him. And he opens the scroll of Isaiah. And here's what he reads. He reads this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, after Jesus read that, what did he do? The next verse tells us, verse 20, it says that he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then here it is, verse 21. And he began by saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, this passage specifically names five components to Jesus' mission, to Jesus' call, to Jesus' purpose. Notice what it says there. It says that he came to preach good news to the poor. 
that he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, to give sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, Bible commentators agree that this mission statement of Jesus speaks to three realms. It speaks to the spiritual realm, to the physical realm, and also to the social realm. Now, those first two, the spiritual realm and the physical realm, those are something that we understand, we, we grasp. In fact, we pretty much probably all agree about those. And I don't have time to break those down specifically and get into it, but let me just give you a couple of examples so you know what I'm talking about. In Jesus' mission, Jesus' cause, Jesus' purpose, in the spiritual realm, well, what does that mean as you look at those uh, five purposes? That he came to set us free. Well, he came to set us free from our sin, to give us spiritual sight that we can now see that we were lost and we're now found, that he came to to take away and, and, and remove the spiritual blindness and the spiritual brokenness and heal us from that and heal us from the spiritual oppression. We get all that. In the physical realm, Jesus' mission, he certainly came to physically give people sight, right? He healed people. He helped heal people physically. He, He gave people food. He came to preach good news to the poor, as it says. The physically poor and also the poor in spirit. So we get that. We understand that. But it's Jesus' mission that speaks into the social realm that many Christians fail to grasp or understand or really take hold of. The question we have in this passage is, what does the gospel look like in the social realm? What does the gospel look like in the social realm? Well, well, Jesus says here that he came to give sight to the blind. Well, the blind, or we could say that the the disabled, they were the ones who were discriminated against in Jesus' day. And so for Jesus to come in the social realm to, to, to give them sight was to stop them from being further discriminated against. It was to put them back in the mainstream of society. Jesus came to release the oppressed you see, it's interesting, the social, uh, the social factors that the gospel confronts and penetrates are, are things like unequal distribution of power, of racism, of the denial of opportunities, the, the, the unfair distribution of resources, and on and on it goes. And Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, in the law of Moses, it, it was required that the people of Israel every 50 years that all slaves would be freed and debts would be canceled. It was called, referred to as the year of Jubilee. And that year of Jubilee established social rules that knocked down any unfair systems that had been created. And it created now every 50 years equal opportunity, a chance to start over a chance to level the playing field for all people. Well, here's the reality. Many, many churches have been largely silent on this social realm of the gospel. And whether that's willfully or whether that's through ignorance or whether that's because of general unawareness or perhaps some just don't care. Richard Stearns wrote a book about this, about this silence and this lack of action that he called the hole in the gospel, the hole in our gospel. 
Pastor uh, and author Tim Keller had a, had a great take on this, and, and I was listening to a podcast of his uh, um, a few months back, and, and he was talking about one of the big challenges that, 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 that confronts churches and, and, and pastors and Christians, and, and it was the, 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 the political polarization that's happening in our country today, and how that has led so many churches to being silent on this social realm of the gospel. And here's what he said. He said this. He said, when I read the Bible, it seems clear that Christians should be sold out for racial justice, that all races are equal and made in the image of God, that Christians should be deeply concerned about the poor and the marginalized, that Christians should be pro-life, and that, uh, that people, or Christians at least, should believe that sex should be reserved only for a man and woman in marriage. He said this, he said the early church was marked by those four items, those four things. But in our country today, two of those, he said, look very conservative. And two of those look very liberal. Well, since none of these four have ever been combined into a political party, he said there's this enormous pressure for churches to major in two of those and to be silent on the other two, to be quiet about the other two. He went on and said this. He said there's a, a red evangelicalism and a blue evangelicalism. But church, we can't be silent on any of these four. Why? Because Jesus' mission and purpose speaks in to all four. Jesus wanted us, His church, to be on mission. He wanted us, His church, to speak into all areas, every sector of society, including what, what Richard Stearns calls the social realm of the gospel. So what does that look like? What does that look like for you and for me? What does that look like for the LifePoint family to be about Jesus' mission in the social realm? See, we talk about the physical realm and the spiritual realm all the time, but what about this social realm? Well, I'd like you to turn with me to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says this. It says, the Lord has told us what is Type that into the chat. What is what? What is right and what he demands. So, God, so God's going to tell us right now, here's what's right according to God. Here's what God demands and asks of us. And he says this, see that what is done. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. So how is it that you and I do what is right? How do we see that justice is done? How do we make sure that mercy is our first concern as we, as Jesus followers, choose to humbly obey our God in what Richard Stearns called the, the social realm of the gospel? Jesus' mission as it pertains to the social realm. And how do we do that then in the social realm specifically as it pertains to racism? Well, the first step I would suggest that we begin to take, again, small steps, but we have to start somewhere. The first step is this. How about we admit that racism is real and that it exists? 
Let's admit that racism is real and that it exists in our country and even across the world. Now, maybe based on your own personal experiences, maybe based on, 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 on here in Elk Grove where you live and, and we have a diverse community as far as ethnicity, maybe you don't personally see it much or maybe it doesn't impact you that much or you don't come across it, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. What if... I mean, what if we could all just set aside whatever our talking points are and we just acknowledge it's real. Racism exists. It's real in our country. It's real across the world. This week I was, uh, 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 Jay w- uh, was here, uh, one of our, our, our missionary to Indonesia, and, and as I was talking to Jay uh, um, when he was back in Indonesia, I asked him, is racism real there? And he says, oh, you better believe it. And he gave me all sorts of example of how much racism there is in where he was in Indonesia. And racism's across the world, and it's here right in America. So once you and I admit that it's real, we just call, what it, call, call it what it is, that we would speak up, that we would say out loud, Racism is wrong. Racism is evil. Racism is not the heart of God. And it exists in our country today. So that's where we start. What's the second thing we can do? If we are going to get into God's mission, Jesus' mission and purpose as it pertains to the social gospel, specifically racism, second, how about you and I listen to the experience of others? Let's listen to the experience of others. The more and more that you and I will choose to listen to those who don't look like us, speak like us, think like us, or vote like us, the more you will realize how much you don't know and how much there is to learn and to understand. You know, I've been listening to a lot of different people these last few weeks from all segments of society but one particular segment of people or group of people that I've been listening to extensively is I've been really trying to listen to black pastors and black Christian leaders and try to learn and try to understand. One of the biggest messages that I have heard over and over and over and over again these last few weeks, again, this is from black pastors and black community, Christian community leaders. They have said over and over and over, is that they just want white people to speak up and speak out. That they have been speaking for generations. But they're asking those of us who are white, who are Caucasian, to speak up and to speak out. As I said earlier, it's saying something as simple or starting with saying, admit it, racism is real, and to speak up and to speak out and to say it loud. But also, it's not just about race. That also, they talk extensively and and have been saying that, that injustice exists. Injustice exists. Now, I know this. God is crystal clear in His Word. Jesus speaks about, God speaks about justice and injustice throughout Scripture. God talks about the alien and the stranger and the marginalized and the oppressed among us. And he talks about how we're to treat the people like that and how we're to care for them and how we're to love them. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8 says, Open your mouth on behalf of those who are unable to speak for the legal rights of all the dying. 
The next verse tells us to plead the cause of the poor and the needy. You see, by listening to people and hearing their context and hearing their stories, one of the things that I've discovered is I have realized that other people's experiences are so much different than mine. I mean, here's the reality. I have known, but I haven't really known. I haven't really known. I I was listening to Pastor John Gray talk about his experiences. True story, he said this, in my own neighborhood, he has had neighbors say to him, I don't like you, and I don't want to know you. See, I hear that, and based on my experiences, based where I've grown up and where I've lived, for me, I can't comprehend that. But the reality is that exists. It's very real for certain people. I've heard Pastor Derwin Gray talk about how he won't run in his own neighborhood at night. He was a former NFL football player, and yet he won't run at night in his own neighborhood. I heard another pastor talk about how how he will not walk alone at night. He will only walk at night with his kids. Why? Because he has a fear that others will see him as just, as he said, a big black man with a beard and a hoodie and a gun on his hip. Even though he doesn't have a hoodie, even though he doesn't have a gun, he said this. He said, my blackness gets weaponized before someone even knows who I am. Man, if we want the social realm of the gospel to impact our lives and those around us, God invites us to listen, to hear stories and experiences that are outside our own. So I want to invite you, church, every single one of us, I want to invite you to go to people who don't look like you, talk like you, think like you, uh, process like you, vote like you. Go to people and ask them this question. Will you tell me your story? And then will you take another step? Say, tell me your story. Get to know them. But secondly, can you tell me how racism is real for you? Or how have you experienced racism? How has racism impacted your life? And then just listen. Just listen. Because that leads to the third thing that we can do to be about Jesus' mission in the realm of this, in the social realm, and that's feel the pain of others. Feel the pain of others. The reality is that any marginalized group anywhere in the world, they feel great pain. So, how about you and I feel their pain? In fact, feeling someone's pain is compassion. It's the compassion that Jesus experienced and Jesus talked about. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. He said this, when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Or another translation says he felt compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. I want you to think about the life and the ministry of Jesus for a moment. When the crowds were hungry, what did Jesus do? He had compassion on them, so he fed them. When Jesus was exhausted after preaching all day, what does the scripture say? It says he healed them. 
Jesus had compassion on the prostitute who was in the, in the Pharisee's house. Jesus had compassion on the woman caught in adultery and, and forgave her of her sins. Jesus had compassion on the Samaritan woman, on the Syrophoenician woman. The lepers, Jesus had compassion on the leopards, or leopards, lepers, people that you weren't even allowed to touch. Jesus had compassion, which meant he felt their pain, which means this, I empathize with the pain of the people who have no voice or who have very little voice. You see, that was part of the mission and the purpose of why Jesus came. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, he said this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn, or some translations say weep. Weep or mourn with those who mourn, or, or weep with those who weep. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul described how we are the body of Christ. And with the body of Christ, there's many, many parts, but just one body. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. It says, if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. And there are so many Christians, people, but Christians around the world, around our country, who are suffering who are grieving, who are hurting beyond description. And Paul says this, he says, as the body of Christ, we hurt together. We hurt together. Now, how is that going to happen? Well, for starters, it's when we listen to somebody's story. When we don't seek to make excuses, when we don't seek to justify or recite talking points of, of, of our favorite news pundit, we don't go there. When we truly listen, then we begin to feel the pain of another person. Let me say it again. When we truly listen, that's when we begin to, begin to feel the pain of another person. I was talking to an individual uh, from LifePoint this past week. And let me tell you about this person. This person absolutely loves Jesus. They serve faithfully at the church. They are incredibly generous with their time, with their talents, and with their treasures. They're incredibly generous with their finances. They are open and welcome to all people. I can tell you that. I know this person. They're open and welcome to all people. Recently, they were speaking up passionately about this issue of racist, or excuse me, racism and injustice and social injustice. And I'm listening to this person. I said, hey, i got to ask you a question. Uh, I've never heard you talk this way before. I've, you just seem like you're, you're different and, and you have a, a different type of passage, a passion. You're saying things I've never heard you say. In fact, I would have never expected you to say that. What's going on with you? The person said, yeah, before before these last couple of weeks, they said this. They said, honestly, I just didn't care. All of this, it didn't affect my life. It doesn't affect my life. Now, I imagine if we're really honest with ourselves, that's maybe a lot of us listening right now, that there's just kind of been this general apathy. So I asked the person, what changed for you? What changed in these last couple weeks? The person said this. They said, I have been purposefully meeting with people not like me and listening to them. 
And what I have found is God has just been softening my heart and he's even broken my heart as I hear their experiences. I said, Chris, I gotta tell you, it's the first time that I've actually ever really cared about this. Listen, God's spirit stirred this individual's heart. The person had empathy like they had never experienced before. They were feeling the pain of others. God invites us to feel the pain of others. That's part of Jesus' purposes, Jesus' mission in the social realm. See what I'm praying, church? I am praying that what has happened in our culture over these last months and leading up to and even culminating in the death of George Floyd is now a tipping point for us. That the pain that, his, that this has brought, has, or brought has awakened the people of God to, for starters, just to acknowledge that racism is real and that it exists today. I'm praying that this is a tipping point that now leads Jesus followers in every church to intentionally start building bridges, to enter into conversations, to enter into dialogues that they may have never had before, that they may have avoided. Conversations to, to listen, to learn, to understand, to empathize, and to feel the pain, to feel the pain of another. I'm praying this season is a tipping point for our nation that leads to more justice, more equality, more unity, more rights, more opportunities for the marginalized and for the oppressed and for those who don't have a voice. I'm praying this is a tipping point that has awakened the church to Jesus' mission and purpose which speaks to what Richard Stearns called the social realm of the gospel. That we, the church, become part of the solution. Here's what I know. Politicians don't solve the world's problems. Politicians don't fix the world's problems. Why? Because you can't legislate a heart change. You cannot pass a law to change a heart. Did you catch that? You can't pass a law that will change a heart. Now, of course, we have to pass laws and make changes. Absolutely, that needs to happen. But you can't pass a law to change a heart. The only one who can change a heart is the Holy Spirit. The only one who can change a heart and penetrate our hearts is the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what changes hearts, what changes minds, changes perspectives, changes perceptions, which leads to a change in outcome. So finally, what this means is it's time for you and I to look up. To look up. God wants us to come together, to meet together, to build bridges, and then to together even look up to the cross. Look up to the cross because until the blood of Jesus gets into our heart and gets on our hands, things are not going to change. So how about you and I? Let's look up to the cross. Let's look up to the cross. Let's look up to the one who said, I love you so much. I love you so much that I willingly lay down my life for you. And if you and I will look up to the cross, 
And if we will get the blood of Jesus in our heart and in our, on our hands as we're looking up and we recognize that he laid down our life for us because he loves us so much, then he invites you and I to do the same, to lay down our lives for others. Why? Because we love them that much. Today, I pray, is a start. A start for you, a start for me, a start for us. We have to start somewhere. And we as individuals and as a church family, we can make a commitment today, right now, to filling the hole, H-O-W or H-O-L-E, fill the hole in our gospel by sharing the whole gospel, H-W-H-O-L-E. I had to think about that for a second. W-H-O-L-E. Let's fill the gospel, the whole gospel, which includes the social realm. Let's fill up our gospel. And let's be people who say, I want to be used by God. I want to be AWR. I want to be attentive to what God is doing in my life and what He's saying to me. I want to be willing to say yes to Him and I want to respond accordingly. And I want to be part of a solution rather than sit on the sidelines. God is calling us to that. Will you join Him in God's mission, in Jesus' mission? to penetrate lives, the physical realm, the spiritual realm. We talk about that all the time. But also the social realm. That's part of Jesus' mission. Will you join them in it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you now to say we're AWR. We're attentive to your voice. Jesus, we're willing to say yes, to how you're speaking to us and how you're calling us right now. And God, that we're then not just willing to say yes, we'll do something about it. We'll respond accordingly. So Lord Jesus, I pray, just help us, God. Help us, some of us, this isn't hard to say, but for others of us, maybe it is. Help us to say and admit that racism is real and it exists. And so God, for those of us who don't see it, who don't experience it, who maybe don't even understand it, Lord, I just ask that you would open our eyes and open our hearts so that we can see what others have to live with and have to deal with on a daily basis. Lord Jesus, help us to care. God, give us an open heart, a willing heart to listen to those who don't look like us. Help us to understand, God, what we don't understand or have not cared about or cared to understand. So Lord Jesus, would you just break our hearts? Break our hearts for what breaks your hearts. For what breaks your heart, God. You see the injustice and it breaks your heart. You see the marginalized and the oppressed and how they're treated. And God, it breaks your heart. So Jesus breaks our heart for what breaks your heart. Jesus, I know today's just a start. But we want to start somewhere as a church family. We want to be about your purposes. God, we want to be about your mission. So God, use us to be a bridge builder. To reach out so that healing can happen 
physically, spiritually, and socially. We want to be used by you, God. That's my prayer for every single person listening or watching. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.